0: A couple hundred years ago, the only thing you had to worry about was a hangover. Tell me you're an in investigator, more or less. Today, because if you're a curse thingy, you can't sleep with anyone. I'm, a taintain, I'm
1: your boss. Or else you might feel a moment of true happiness. you got already an addiction a brooding part of life. Lose your soul. Except for of it, where I was nearly tortured to Becoming again. You're a demon hunter. Road demon hunter. And kill everyone.
0: It's fucking fantastic. I love that sound. Thanks, Cornelia.
1: I always appreciate your respect. Hello, and welcome to Ale with Angel. I'm Rex. I'm Josh. And today on Ale with Angel, we are reviewing Season 3, Episode 5, Fredless.
0: Fredless.
1: I promise, I can read my own handwriting.
0: I find that difficult to believe.
1: Sometimes so do I.
0: You know, for this being called Fredless, it's pretty Fredful.
1: Yeah, it really is. There's a um, whole lot of Fred.
0: Yeah, I'll take all the Fred I can get.
1: Always got to take it to the sexy place, don't you? <laughs> what what? Uh, okay, yeah, you're right.
0: <laughs> as long as we're still on the same page. I can't, can't even I fight it. <laughs> He's going to try and be like, oh, since when is that noise associated with sex in any way or capacity other than ever, always? Exactly. The cavemen were going and getting slapped. Yes. Yeah. Yes, in fact. Mm-hmm. I was there. Oh, were you? I saw it. You're immortal now? Mm-hmm. I saw it with my own two doodle doos. I
1: don't think that works the way you think that works.
0: I don't think you know that that thinks (laughs) how (laughs) works it do it.
1: (laughs) Moving on. I have to be up at 6 (laughs) a.m. Which is quite unfortunate. (laughs) It's going to be fun. You have to be awake in 10 hours. Yep. Yep. In
0: 10 minutes. Yep. Congratulations. I'm, both, I'm both groggy and tired <laughs> and yet more well-rested um, than I was a few hours ago. It's going to be a fun night.
1: Well, on with the show, which is, hey, brought to you by our executive producers. Oh. fuck a doodle Do. Yes. Over there on Patreon, we have Audrey, two French last names, Bridget McCloy, dead serious Allie B, Nathan Lancy Dulcinea Rachel Gregory Rachel Doodle Doo D Sheringhausen Club Oh goodness she changed it Uh-oh Club the Seals with bow- Bows of Holly Oh no <laughs> Club the Seals with Bows of Holly There we go. Mr. Tabalicious, Sandra Craig, Jay Sommer, Christina, Catherine Parkinson, Karen Moon, Chris V-Man, Pat Likes Turtles, Scarlet Choi, Bad at Changing Their Name Heaps, Andy Burgess, K-Fro Horse Dildo with BWB logo, Gnome, Ha! I fucking managed it! You've been practicing! (laughs) Father DeFinistrato, Methuen DeBurr, Kelly MC, Jesse Rain, Alex from the Heart, and Carrie Phillips, thank you so much. Without you, this show literally is not possible.
0: I have one thing to say to that, Rex. What's that? I'll Rachel your doodle do. <laughs> I wanted to say it so bad while you were reading the list, but then I did not.
1: Well, I appreciate not completely destroying my flow. Well, Club, was, Clubby Seal did did that one. <laughs> it wasn't for you, Rex. It was for me. Ah. <laughs> yeah, that's fair. It's always it's <laughs> about me. Okay, me, 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 me. If there's anything we can agree on it's that you will care about you as it should be
0: <laughs> all is right in the world do you want to so, break
1: yeah yeah i got that i was just gonna do that anyway okay you can't tell me what to do i wasn't i was making a friendly suggestion you're not my real daddy i'm not which is why it's so much better that way <laughs>
0: so (laughs) hey guys you're gonna love this news rex and i are going on a short surprise sabbatical but it shouldn't be a surprise at all because we mentioned it last episode but we're going out of our way to mention it twice this episode um it's going to be a much shorter break than uh, our last one and the one before that uh we plan on coming back in january uh we've got some stuff to handle work and personal lives are getting busy for the holidays yeah, yeah. i'm sure you can relate
1: and my fiance is currently graduating from grad school so Woo-hoo! that is a whole big thing yeah that's phenomenal
0: <laughs> i can't even imagine
1: lots of stress in my house Lots ah, of a stress
0: that's that's what i hear <laughs> yeah yeah my sources tell me
1: and your source is me yeah it's a pretty good source I, at least i hope it's me If you're finding out things in my house that are not through me or Caitlin, I would be confused and or worried. Well, get ready to be confused and or worried. (laughs) Oh, shit. It's Edgar, isn't it? Actually, it's Stormy. Oh, well, that's impressive. He barely ever makes any noise.
0: (laughs) (laughs) The rabbit is a bit of a narc.
1: Oh, yeah, uh, that tracks.
0: (laughs) He comes to me in the night.
1: But yeah, our break won't last long, just through the holidays mainly, and uh, we'll be back in, you know, infiltrating your ear holes come the new year.
0: I just shake a jar of um, (laughs) freeze-dried bananas from across the city (laughs) and wait 10 minutes.
1: They're not freeze-dried. They're just regular dehydrated.
0: Or Fine. Fine. (laughs) That's fine, Rex. It is. You don't know what I feed your rabbit when you're not there.
1: Uh, That's actually a valid point.
0: (laughs) Anyway, yeah, Uh, but if you uh, still need to get your fix, I am still totally active over on Wubba Lubba Pod Pod with uh, Alex from the Heart, and we have just finished season one of watching rewatching through Rick and Morty and digging up as much shit about it as we can. Oh, you're done with season one? Yeah, we just finished season one. Damn. Uh, We're throwing out as much lore tracking and fan theorying and conspiracy theories about Rick and Morty as we can. We love picking shows where we just absolutely hate one of the creators <laughs> because Justin Roiland can go fuck himself permanently. Yeah. And uh, it's great because we still love the show. It's got its moments. It's got its shitty moments. <laughs> and, uh, the, I, if, if you hate Rick and Morty, come on over and listen to my Rick and Morty podcast and maybe we can fix that because... I, I love making Rick and Morty converts. It's got a bad rap um, with a lot of people. The fandom. and that bothers the fandom
1: me. gives it a bad rap.
0: It it does. Yeah, it bothers me because I'm part of several fandoms that get a bad rap. Like the uh, the the entire Source Engine Half Life Two fandom got pretty shitty for a while there over Half Life Three and other oh, yeah. things. And the cake is a lie. It's I like, would shut argue, up, guys.
1: I would argue that the norm is fandoms get a bad rap. Yeah. Because it doesn't take much of a percentage of the fandom to be shitty for it to spoil the entire fucking fandom. It's the shitty
0: ones that are always the loudest ones, and that's the problem. Exactly. That being said, the Buffy the Vampire Slayer fandom has a great name, as far as I know.
1: For the most part, yeah. During the initial controversy of finding out more about joss Sweden, there was a kind of a split between the groups within oh, okay, the fandom okay
0: um you know i
1: was gonna say that doesn't affect the fandom at all but it but i see what you, you're saying you know how it is with assholes like that yeah they always have their fucking staunch supporters I'm that sure no were, matter what they do
0: there were plenty of apologists i believe oh, yeah. it oh yeah yeah
1: anyway we got we're not here to talk about that but Lord. yeah wobble up a pod pod
0: uh or just go to wubble wubble the
1: Google it. Wubble up a pod pod. You'll find us. Yeah, I've done that. I Googled it recently to share the link with a friend. And you it was very bastard. easy to find. You make me sick. I, I was sharing your podcast with a friend. You Googled
0: like, me without my permission?
1: Yes. That's, that's what Google is for. It's so dirty. That's what Google's for.
0: It's for non-consensual Googling.
1: Yes, in fact. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, we're not here to talk about that. We're not here to talk about your podcast. We're here to talk about this podcast. Oh, well, fuck you. Well, actually, no, we're here to talk about Angel. So how about a mom synopsis? Joshua. What are you doing, Joshua? Quiet down. I've got a
0: horrible tension headache. Those are some pretty good looking crystals you have on the side of your head there, Joshua. Joshua. Yes, they're lovely, but I fancy myself in autumn. You're so quirky today, Joshua. Do you want some toast, Joshua? I bought this new toaster on Amazon, and I can't figure out how to work it. Sure, let me just... Oh, Lord God, Joshua, your head just got chopped in half, and there's cockroaches spilling out
1: of it at an alarming rate.
0: Well, I wish I had the wherewithal to disagree with you, mother. But when you're right, you're right. (laughs) Do you need medical assistance, Joshua? Seems likely. (laughs) Here's my cell phone, Joshua. I don't really know how to use this newfangled technology these days. You're so much gooder with it than I am. You sit on your phone all goddamn day. Oh, my God. God, my head's been chopped in half. You can't even make a fucking phone call? All right, okay. Don't get all in a tizzy. I'll call the exterminator. You go finish the dishes. The exterminator? <laughs> Damn it, woman. I'm decapitated. <laughs> Based on a true story, guys, <laughs> this really happened. <laughs> Jesus Christ. Oh, you're just like your father, Joshua. You'll be fine. (laughs) Because today on Angel, the writers of Angel and Buffy the Vampire Slayer conspired to troll their entire fandom indefinitely by refusing to tell us the story of events which canonically happened between episodes to the characters Angel and Buffy during their reunion. Also... (laughs) More specifically to this episode, Angel kills a Dursler demon while getting ice cream with Fred. Fred's parents show up looking for her, even though she wrote them a letter telling them not to. Fred runs to Lauren for help, who tells her to run farther. So the A-team and Fred's parents find her at the bus station, where Fred breaks down emotionally as she finally accepts the trauma and reality of having been kidnapped into an alternate dimension for five years. Their reunion is stunted by the arrival of a giant mantis demon that Fred's mother kills with a bus. As Fred prepares to go home with her parents, she has an epiphany about some crystallized bug goop, which leads her to correctly discern that there are eggs about to hatch from the severed Dursler head sitting in the lobby at the hotel. She saves them by chopping the head open so the swarm of giant mantis demons can take what they want and leave in peace. Fred decides she's staying because this is where she belongs and there's no turning back to a normal life. The end. Ladies, gentlemen, spiny headed creatures. As soon as the sun goes down, down, down. down, down, down. As soon as
1: the sun goes down down down, 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 down. Competition is a beautiful thing. So I just have a few things to say about your mom's synopsis. Okay. Uh, one, <laughs> kudos on real-world inspiration with the tension headache. <laughs> Yeah, you're welcome. Uh, Two, your mom totally would hand you her phone to have you call 911 for yourself. (laughs) Yeah. I know. So, you know, points for True to Life. (laughs) And three, if there was any mom synopsis that I wish was animated, this is the winner. (laughs) Hey, if anybody out there
0: wants to put that mom synopsis into an animation, I will personally buy you a free hoodie.
1: Yeah, that would be fucking awesome. Yeah. That would be so fucking awesome. A beer with Buffy or, a, you know what, a beer
0: with Buffy and an ill with Angel hoodie.
1: I, w- I wish I could do that kind of art. <laughs> I wish I could do that kind of art still. Yeah. I, uh, I could never manage animation anymore. Right. But yeah, that was... <laughs> <laughs>
0: That was a fun one. <laughs> I'm happy about that one. <laughs> I don't, don't know how much of it I'm going to edit down. but Yeah.
1: <laughs> Woo!
0: Oh, man. So, an actual cold open. Yes. As we start here with dramatic music and a blade in a close-up on Wesley's face. You yes. wouldn't dare. You were just going to toss in a Prothgarian broadsword with a 3rd century ceremonial sanctius dagger. And we zoom out, and the intense music fades out quickly with a classic comic timing. Cordy's like, hmm, let me see. Long? Metal?
1: Pointy? Yep. Yep, Cordy and Wesley debating the ethics of proper weapon storage. Well, actually, no, proper weapon sorting. Sorting and storage,
0: yeah.
1: Uh, They're doing kind of an inventory on all the weapons, because apparently Angel's all persnickety about, you know... Which weapons go where? Which weapons go with what dress? And do they match his shoes? <laughs>
0: Did they say that? No. <laughs> oh,
1: okay. I was like, man, I I'm trying something. for humor here. I missed something. No, good job. <clears throat> well done. <laughs> good job. No, they're doing inventory because, well, they don't have anything fucking else to do.
0: Yeah, apparently. Cordy asks what uh, what we're all what we're all thinking. Who's in charge here? You or the guy with the pancreas dagger? Which, of course, is a play on her mispronouncing uh, sanctius dagger. Ha, ha 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 Either way, she just cut off Wesley's balls with a pancreas dagger. Nah. <laughs> okay, not, not literally. That sounds gory and not needed. Yeah, well, I mean, how many little know-it-all British children do we need running around? That's a valid point. <laughs> There's plenty of those in the world. Yeah. It's it's all right. He's still he's still he can still be healthy and happy and maybe even have a sex life without balls. We'll just do a vasectomy. It'll be fine. Oh dear. Uh Fred wants to know what time it is. Uh Wes looks annoyed and shows Cordy his watch, then Cordy informs Fred that it's three minutes from the last time she asked. As Fred explains her theory on quantum physics, Cordy interrupts that Angel will be back when he gets back. Fred changes
1: the subject to Buffy, wondering if they're going to get back together. Which goes into a quote of the day. Yep. From Wesley here. One of my quotes of the day. Well, Fred, that's a difficult question. I think it's fair to say, no, not a chance, never, no way, not in a million years. And also, nah. uh. <laughs> <laughs> hmm. I. <laughs> Not not sure I'm picking up what you're laying down, Wesley.
0: <laughs> Is that a yes? That sounds like a yes. I'm not hearing a no. So you're saying there's a chance. <laughs> God. Uh, well, no, he specifically said yes. not a chance. He didn't say one in a million.
1: Yeah. <laughs> he he so said you're not, telling no, me there's not a chance, never. No way. Not in a million years. Nuh uh. It was the nuh that did it to me.
0: Yeah, I, I appreciated <clears throat> the nuh the most as well. Uh, very thorough, Wesley. That's what I like about you. Your attention to detail.
1: And then cue just one of my favorite moments in this show in its entirety. hmm They do a dramatic reading that honestly is comparable to yours. It's, like, identical. I, it's, oh, my fucking God. If, Cordy, if it like, weren't for the fact that I know without a doubt that you did that dramatic reading first off five years ago for like the first time you did it yeah without
0: having seen that show
1: yeah and you hadn't seen Angel or Buffy in a while for like 15 years when we first started doing this so like I know exactly how detached from this scene you were you probably had no idea that it even existed when you made that joke and it is it is like you fucking wrote it (laughs) I know, right? <laughs> uh, except not as good. Well, like, specifically one of the lines that Wesley says where he's like, oh, I forgot to brood. Yeah. Like, it's holy shit.
0: <laughs> I was definitely feeling the, the energy. The, yeah. The, the dramatic reading energy. It was energy. so
1: good. <laughs> I, like, I had to fucking pause it and just sit there and laugh for a solid ten minutes. Actually, I was
0: like, no, Wesley, you're doing it wrong. <laughs> You're like, supposed to say, God damn it, Gordy. <laughs> don't you know how broody I am?
1: I mean, their version has to be edited for TV. Eh, they can say, God damn it. They can say, damn it, at least. Yeah. I don't think they could actually, at that time, say, God damn it.
0: Yeah, you still running into issues with that because everybody's a bunch of fucking Puritans. Yep. In this country. The- Our country was fucking founded by them. What do you expect? Literally, so yeah. That, I mean, that pretty much covers it. Because Cordy feels the need to act it out, and she's like, let me uh, let me demonstrate. <laughs> <laughs> and she puts on a little play for Fred. Do you want to do a,
1: dra- a dramatic rating of the dramatic rating?
0: <clears throat> you know, I I feel obligated to now.
1: I mean, you got to show him who's boss.
0: Yeah. So Cordy, as Buffy, starts it off.
1: Oh, angel. I know
0: that I'm a slayer, and you are a vampire, and it would be impossible for us to be together, but... And Wesley, as Angel, stands up and gingerly puts his glasses off to the side. My gypsy curse sometimes prevent me from seeing the truth. Oh, Buffy. Yes, Angel... Oh, I love you so much, I almost forgot to brood. And just because I sent you to hell that one time doesn't mean that we can't just be friends. Oh, Or possibly more. Gasp! No,
1: we mustn't! Kiss me! Bite me! How about you both bite me? Yeah,
0: because...
1: Yeah, Angel crashes
0: that party. He interrupts, why don't you both bite me? And then uh, they put Cordy in there as a proxy to speak for fans across the chasm of the eons because Gunn asks how it went with his reunion with Buffy and Angel snarkily responds, oh, those two pretty much summed it up. But also he says he doesn't want to talk about it, to which Cordy responds, but uh, Angel, we're your friends and it's not healthy to repress stuff like this. <laughs> you You need to share your pain. Express those feelings of grief and longing or the curiosity is going to kill me. She finally just lets it go. And she's like, God damn it. Tell me. Cause I can't not know. Cause I'm a nosy bitch.
1: Deal with it. And I, I, I
0: appreciate your honesty, Cordy.
1: I desperately want to know if this was the showrunners actually wanting to troll the fans.
0: That's what it's looking like at this point.
1: Like the fact that the comic exists and does, does, absolutely nothing to fucking show what happened yeah like that tells me it's trolling it's gotta be
0: yeah somebody told Jane Espenson you can't actually make a real story out of this yeah because we want to piss off one person in particular and we don't care who we kill in the process
1: (laughs) (laughs) but yeah it oh god sorry I need a moment I was thinking about that fucking comic book again (laughs) (sighs)
0: Yep, ditto. I'm pretty pissed about it, too. Okay,
1: I'm through it. I'm through it.
0: Yep, so Angel's fully content to leave Cordelia permanently toiling with blue balls and the entirety of their fandom, which is ravenous 20 years later. Yes. So, then he grabs his date buddy and takes her out for ice cream. By the way, that's Fred.
1: Yes, I liked the very last two lines in in the... scene where cordy's saying now we'll never ever know and you just hear angel off in the distance that's right that's right (laughs) this really is them trolling the fucking fandom
0: i mean that part really was funny though
1: (laughs) no it was it was excellent it was it it was good Mm -hmm. i would have found all of this way more entertaining and funny if that fucking comic didn't exist if the comic just didn't exist at all (laughs)
0: yep it just didn't need to exist So, yeah, cut to the sewers where Fred does some good old-fashioned babbling. I think the most important takeaway was that they ran into a demon at the ice cream place and that Fred would like to make a condo in the sewers because she finds them homey, among other things.
1: Specifically, the line I wrote down from this that I really fucking loved was, she says, sewers which are just so bleak and oppressive and homey. I could build a condo down here. Bleak, oppressive, homey. Exactly
0: (laughs) all of those words I completely associate with one another. (laughs) That tracks. Nothing to see here. Move along.
1: Nothing to see here.
0: (laughs) Yeah, so while Fred's enjoying some nice self-deprecation and getting Angel to disagree with her, she notices some crystals. And uh, just like on the side of the, the wall, I guess. And Angel sends her back to the hotel. And she sticks her head back around the corner just to make sure one more time... For like the fourth time that, now you sure you don't need me? And he's like, yes, I'm fine. And just as she fucks off around the corner, we see a Dursler demon rise up right behind Angel. Yep, pretty creepy. Yeah. And opening credits.
1: Meow, meow, (laughs) meow, 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 meow. Ow. I told you I'd throw shit at you. Thank you. Thank
0: you for correcting me.
1: (laughs) Uh, We go back to the hotel where inventory continues. Inventory continues, yes. Uh, Which, you know, it makes sense because inventory always takes way longer than you want it to.
0: Yes. Always. Inventory always continues. (laughs) It never ends. Exactly. That's why you hire other people to do it.
1: Oh, God. I actually know a guy who, like, fucking 15, 20 years ago, got a job at one of those companies that does inventory for other stores. Oh, God. Yeah, I did that once. And he... Fucking loved it. Oh, he ew. loves it so much because he still works there. Ew. Now, granted, he's like management now or some shit. It better be. But like, he just he did. He's done it for years. Ew. Like, granted, th- this company when they do inventory, they just have hand scanners and you just scan everything. Still, you don't actually have to write anything. Still. Uh, the last retail job I did, we had to actually fucking write a bunch of shit. Ugh. Yeah. And like keep lists and out and fuck that, fuck that.
0: Yeah, I the the inventory company I worked for like two shifts because my mom had (laughs) picked up this weird stupid job, and of course she was trying to push me into getting a job from the age of fucking twelve. Yeah, Uh, she got me on a couple of these calls, and they had these gigantic obnoxious calculators that looked like they're from the seventies. Jesus. Um, and I guarantee that store did not get a good count. I saw the way that these people were counting. They were just counting with their eyes, Dude. not their <clears> hands. <throat> the worst inventory. And just, and just going clackety, clackety,
1: clackety on these right. fucking calculators. So I'm like, there's no way you're typing real things. <laughs> the worst inventory I ever had to do was when I worked at Radio Shack, uh, because this was back in the day when they had the fucking parts drawers with all the tiny little fucking components for building circuit boards. Blah. And we're talking hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of small, tiny, little fucking components that you have to fucking... It, it's like trying to count a box of buttons. I was going to say rice. Not quite that bad. Mm. They were bigger than that. And they were in little, like, plastic little baggies and shit. But it was still, like... Imagine a box full of, like, shirt buttons. Yeah. that That's what it was like to count that shit. Yeah, fuck that. Wow,
0: even this conversation about inventory just won't end (laughs) Yeah Oh my god That's because it's inventory (laughs) That's because it's inventory, exactly
1: I don't want to share my feelings I don't want to open up I want to find the guy that killed Tina And I want to look him in the eye Then what? Anyway, Wesley reminisces about slaying a poodle with his spear. I guess I don't know if he actually killed the poodle. Did he did he kill the
0: poodle? Um well the the poodle's owners weren't happy, we know that. Yeah,
1: they weren't happy. Uh it
0: sounds like um, he certainly skewered it, which makes it cause, pretty cause, likely that he murdered the poodle.
1: Yeah, cuz it was uh it was a trident. They call it like a three-pointed spear or something like that. But it's a fucking, it's a fucking trident. trident. That's Yeah. A spear with three points is a fucking trident.
0: Yeah, get back under the ocean, mm-hmm. asshole. You've got work to do. And yeah, it's there's about some th- sea poodles that need yes. murdering.
1: It's about this time, as Wesley is reminiscing about murdering poodles, when Gun leans over to Corey and is like, Hey, could you maybe have a teeny little vision? so that we can stop doing this
0: yeah hey i'm bored and she's like oh sure one of those skull splitting horrendous emotionally draining or whatever i don't know they're bad they're real bad
1: they're bad you want me to have one of those
0: bad things (laughs) for you how about no and then she's like ow 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 which is never in fact how she exclaims pain for having a vision but He's all, yes, yes, have a vision,
1: yes. (laughs)
0: Milk that vision, you vision
1: cow. (laughs) But no, she didn't have a vision. She stubbed her toe on some invention that Fred made, and it's either a decapitation device or a toaster. Or it makes toast. It could make toast.
0: I doubt that it makes toast. It I, looks nothing like a toaster. Right?
1: Like, it kind—it has a kind of slot. I guess it kind of only looks has like one. a big toaster. Right. If
0: you could make toast in a suitcase. Like, if
1: you want to toast an entire loaf of bread at once, several. Yeah. Yeah. Like, sure. But it has an axe sticking out. I think out of that's it. called that an just... oven. That's just a straight oh, up oven. Yeah. Yeah. You know, I don't even own a toaster. Yeah? Yeah, I just
0: toast bread on my stove. That's a very interesting piece of trivia about you, yeah. Rex. I
1: have a griddle. Why
0: do I need a toaster? I'm so happy to know this. <laughs> so, uh, yeah, it's it looks like a suitcase rigged with an axe that's triggered by a spatula. It's a contraption built by Fred. Uh, they, they all admire it, wondering if it's a wicked weapon or if it makes toast. Uh, the two middle-aged people then walk in, in the front door, wanting to talk about finding their lost daughter. And Wesley invites them all into the office to talk about it and starts taking notes. Aha, we have a new client. Let's go. Yeah. So they divulge that they've already hired a detective and he said that she was staying here in this hotel and her name is Winifred Burkle. Oh, shit. So they're Fred's parents. Yeah. Oh, dear. And so out in the lobby, we see Fred returning from the sewers, finishing up her ice cream and she sees her parents through the office door And uh, has a visible oh fuck moment. Yep. And and she just skedaddles up the stairs. Bolts right up the stairs. Back to the office. They all tiptoe and backtrack around things as they, you know, stupidly earlier were just openly talking about vampires and evil fiends. Yeah. And they're like, oh shit, this is a couple of normies. Plus they know Fred. Uh, We have to lie to them. Quick. Uh,
1: (laughs) We can't possibly tell anyone the truth ever. And they, they tell her parents that fred was depressed for five years
0: they tell them she's here and she's fine and she's out right now they found her in a fit of depression from having relocated and not adjusting well uh which isn't false no
1: they're not lying yeah uh (laughs) they're just leaving out some you know useful tidbits of information yeah like some context if
0: you will (laughs) i mean who needs to know about the demons in the alternate dimension
1: it's, yeah, I
0: mean... Could have just as easily been she got kidnapped... Human traffickers. Some dudes. Yeah,
1: exactly. That's that's a real thing that still happens today.
0: Unfortunately. It's fucking terrifying. Yeah. Not as much as everybody wants to believe. Like, that's actually a
1: big conspiracy theory that is you know, really out of control, but... If I were in these, if I were in their position, I would have, like, some, like, handy stories... Like, practiced and memorized within the group to, like, deal with normies? Some code words. Like, maybe... Because they live in L.A. Yeah. One of the largest cities in the world, and they just assume they're never going to run into normal people? Yeah. I mean, it is L.A., I give them that. Oh, it's
0: kind of the same issue they run into in Buffy the Vampire Slayer, where it's like how much of the town is aware of the demon problem since they're right. on the hell mouth. And they kind of just shoved all that out the window after a couple seasons. You know, yeah. when the entire high school threw Buffy a party or a thank you, gave her a big thank you um, at the graduation or whatever, to uh, be like,
1: we know this isn't a normal place. Right. And, You're the Slayer, blah. Um, The book series, Dresden Files, I think the idea that exists in that book is kind of my headcanon for how it works in the Buffyverse. Mm -hmm. And that is that people are so uncomfortable with things that they can't explain that after shit, bad shit happens, they will retroactively kind of rewrite their own memory to... No, that didn't happen. That was just someone on drugs. Yeah, I, <laughs> just like uh, Principal Snyder. Uh, yeah. was
0: always like they're on PCP, right? Exactly. Or uh, I think Douglas Adams said it best in Hitchhiker's Guide to the Galaxy. They put up a not my problem field around it. Some
1: uh, somebody else's problem field. Okay, that. Yeah. No, I I love same the, diff. I love the somebody else's problem field. Yeah, but yeah, that's exactly what it is. It's just it's. It makes you so uncomfortable, it doesn't exist. Exactly. And I, I can get behind that headcanon. Mm-hmm. But still, like, come on, you guys are professionals. Have some ready-made lies. Right. Yeah,
0: just call the vampires drug dealers or something. Yeah. You know, maybe not that exactly, but work
1: something out, for fuck's sake. I do like, through this whole fucking scene, uh, Gun is so defensive about how they're not really detectives. Mm-hmm. <laughs> It's shown that the detective they hired got where Fred was from an unaddressed envelope. Yeah, and like, don't get me wrong, that's impressive.
0: That is pretty impressive.
1: But Fred is, or Fred, but Gun is totally like, oh yeah, we could, we could totally do that. <laughs> <laughs> we're, he's, we're not amateurs. I promise. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I think he's
0: uh, he's trying to convince himself more than anyone yeah. else, really. Because uh, yeah. Month ago, Fred. I I don't think they even really needed the letter so much as a name to go on and last known location. Yeah, because yeah, Fred wrote a letter home saying she was okay, but didn't leave a return address and specifically told them not to come look for her. And okay, I still would as well.
1: Right? Oh yeah. If it were it's a family member daughter. that came up like- missing. For fuck's sake, the moment you read a letter from your daughter who's been missing for five years and you know it's her handwriting and she's like, oh, don't come look for me, you think, oh, she's in distress. She needs someone to fucking save her. Exactly. Yeah, why would you say don't come look for me? Why? Which, I will I will say this. It makes sense to me that Fred would not think about, think about it that way. Mm-hmm. She's desperate. She doesn't want to face this. I get it. I totally get it. And she isn't the best with people so maybe she would think that oh if I tell him not to look for me
0: it, it certainly makes content makes sense within the context of the episode yeah. later uh, so angel barges in with a severed head uh going on about how these demons don't usually put up much of a fight he might even have it mounted Cordelia plays the cover-up game she's like Oh, look, you brought a movie prop from your job where you make monster movies. These are Fred's super normal parents.
1: And I'm like, yeah, and they wouldn't suspect anything. <laughs> I love how Angel's response is, ah, Fred has parents. Right.
0: Well, and, you know, that made me think. I'm like, you, you generally, when you get to know people, sometimes you don't think about them having family. Yeah parents children etc they're just that separated entity to you yeah that's right people are just entities to me yes (laughs) i'm (laughs) that explains so much i'm super normal you see (laughs) (laughs) Uh, nothing weird about that nothing to read into there so we cut to fred's room uh, Fred frantically tries to wipe the walls clean of her scribblings with a dry towel. Yeah. Now yeah. I know she's crazy. Yeah. You know we always kind of wondered a little bit. <laughs> now I'm positive. So, back in the office, Mr. Burkle or uh, Roger. Roger. Roger is his name.
1: Uh, Roger and Trish. Yes, Trish.
0: Or Trish. I don't know, if Roger it's Trisha, and Trish, but. Trish. Uh, Roger informs Angel that his prop is dripping which makes Angel act extra awkward (laughs) swinging it around saying oh this old thing paper mache glue hucks it in the back room crash maybe some lead Um, (laughs) probably that mirror from the last episode is what it hit. You know the one where we're like how would he know the mirror was there Uh Yeah. Uh anyway so they want to know uh when fred will be home and he assumes she's up in her room right now
1: yeah uh they head up to fred's room which is clean like fred managed to get it clean obviously there's shi- still all the shit written on the walls. other than the writing on the walls, but the wallet or the room itself is clean and hey look none of her clothes are there and there isn't a fred well the writing's on the walls rex yes the writing is in fact on the walls <laughs> that maybe something's up here
0: mm-hmm. maybe Yep, literally and figuratively for a change. So uh, they find a discarded ice cream cone butt and a bunch of crazy writing on the wall, obviously. But a no, Fred, the dad is that uh, Roger is all, oh, we want our daughter. And I'm all, well, I want a toilet made out of solid gold, but it's just not in the cards. Now, is it, baby?
1: I wouldn't want a toilet made out of solid gold. That sounds.
0: Well, also, it's already been done.
1: Also, just sounds hard to clean.
0: Well, why bother? You know, Elvis actually had a solid gold toilet. yeah, And it's still there. You can go see it.
1: But can you use it?
0: Um, You're not supposed to. (laughs) (laughs) But I was listening to a podcast where somebody claims that they dared their friend to go take a big old stanky shit in (laughs) it and not flush. Oh, my God. And they did it. I I can't remember (sighs) how much of that. Sounded like it was actually true or not. So I don't know. Go ahead and look that up or something. <laughs> and I think that's the toilet he died on. Probably isn't that poetic?
1: Man, rich people are weird, right? <clears throat> you're not real. Well, I'm not
0: real.
1: Somebody right here is real, and I suspect it's you. so if you're not real, then that means my head came off back there, and then I'm dead now. So uh Wesley
0: wonders what Fred is running from.
1: Yeah, uh Wesley Gunn and Cordy kinda of huddle up in the on the side and they think something's up with Fred's parents. Um mostly because since when has Fred ever left the fucking hotel on her own? Yeah. Never. And also the
0: parents are acting kinda scary. Like, yeah. when someone looks at you and says, I want my daughter, it's like, Well, and okay.
1: We over here- We're
0: trying to help you get your daughter. We
1: over here, one of them whisper to the other one, uh, maybe we should call them in sooner than we thought. Yeah. Retrospectively, when later, this will make more sense. But, but it's pretty
0: suspicious. There's a yeah. few red herrings running around in this episode, and that is a big one. <clears throat>
1: I didn't know fish could run. That's impressive.
0: Well, they can when they're fake. Ah, mm. that makes sense. So, and speaking of fish running, Fred runs down the street, and then we cut back to the lobby where Cordelia, Wesley, and Gunn and Angel are in the office, while the parents are out in the lobby. Cordy's suspicious of the parents. Gunn brings up the letter again. Um, what you know? What if they're lying about it as a way to trick them into letting them get close to Fred? Or if it's real, Fred told them not to look for her. So where did Fred go? Um, Gunn only half-jokingly mentions taco stands. Angel thinks maybe the sewers, since she felt so safe there. Wesley thinks maybe the library to find old friends, which I thought was a pretty good idea. No,
1: that's actually, I think, a decent idea.
0: Cordelia sticks her head out the door, and the parents look up at her suddenly, and she ducks back inside like it's a fucking horror film.
1: Right. Well, it's obvious that they're thinking these aren't necessarily Fred's parents, but maybe... Things after Fred pretending to be be her parents.
0: Oh, yeah. They could be just taking the image of her parents or something. Um, They could be T-1000s. Yeah. They could be one T-1000 that split itself in half.
1: Exactly. You never know. You never know. Uh, But they decide, oh, they can't just, they just can't leave the parents here. So someone's got to take the parents with them. So it's decided that Angel's going to go search the sewer on his own. Uh, under the cover of talking to industry contacts. Yeah. Um, and then Fred's parents go with Wesley, Cordy, and Gunn to the library.
0: And Roger's like, wait, she's not making movies, is she? Clearly you, implying you can tell, porn. Yeah, porn. Yeah. And Angel's like, Wait, no. No. That's a great idea. No. No, he didn't say that. I'm just dirty. I'm a dirty, dirty boy. Yeah. I'm a bad boy, and you should punish me, daddy. (laughs) You should all see Rex's face right now. See, now I I really am a bad person. Yeah, you should. (laughs) That's that's unforgivable. So, (laughs) okay, so she's not making porn that we know of. And cut to Caritas.
1: Which is still a mess. Completely fucked. Uh, Fred goes to see Lorne, dis- disrupts Lorne in his leisure time watching Judge Judy. <laughs> I remember that show.
0: Yeah, who doesn't? <laughs> that doesn't mean it was good.
1: No, it wasn't. It was such bullshit. Yeah. Now there's eight million knockoffs of it. Oh, God, yeah. Well, that, Judge Judy was a fucking knockoff, dude. Really? Yeah. She wasn't even the first one? No, People's uh, Court. Oh, People's God. Court, I think, was the first one. All right, but that also might be a knockoff. For all I know, fuck, I don't know. Right. So, Lauren puts
0: out a cigarette on the table while he's groggily walking to the uh, to the door. The table immediately falls over and glass shatters immediately, and he has zero reaction to this because he's in the fuck everything mode. Yeah, and to hell with Fred.
1: Uh, oh nice to see you okay thanks bye and she busts in the door singing row row your boat
0: yeah she's very aggressively (laughs) singing row 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 your boat i'm like what?
1: loudly and aggressively
0: even if you couldn't get spiritual readings off of somebody from that i'd still be like easy there killer
1: calm the fuck down (laughs) and let's just have a calm conversation yeah (laughs) And, you
0: know, he looks like he's got a, either a terrible hangover or a migraine or something as she does this. Uh, finally, he sits down and he's like, OK, OK, I see you're fucked. Uh, you know what your problem is? And she's like, I'm not strong enough to face my fears. Nope. You haven't run far enough. (laughs) Here, eat this gigantic red herring. (laughs) Fucking eat it. I've been cooking it since last scene when your parents said, is it time yet?
1: It's another thing where it's like it makes so much sense that Lauren would be like, oh, you're running from your completely normal family. Run. Run from your family. Family is terrifying. Oh, yeah. Given his history. With
0: his past. Yeah. That does make a lot more sense. Yeah. Okay, that was going to be my big question for the, for the episode. Well, I guess this has been Ale with Angel.
1: I'm Josh. I'm not done with the episode. Well, it's all you. <laughs> uh, we cut quickly to the sewers where Angel is searching. There's an insect-like thing that watches him. And then we cut back to the library.
0: In the library, the parents grill Cordy on Fred's library habits. Uh, didn't Fred work at the library? Yes. Wasn't she a librarian who also studied so. math? I believe so. So why wouldn't her parents know about that?
1: I think she was uh, a grad student or something.
0: Yeah, but all they seem to know is, that oh, she used to love the community library back home.
1: Yeah, she, al- she always stayed there uh, while... Her mom did her her rounds or whatnot, and Corey's like, oh, were you a doctor? And she's like, no, I was a school bus driver. Yeah. <laughs> oh, no wonder Fred's so smart. There's a doctor
0: in the family. <laughs> Actually, I'm a bus driver. Well, I call bullshit. That lady, Trish, seems way too calm and well-adjusted to be a bus driver,
1: physically fit, and not a smoker. Maybe she's just so far gone. That she seems that way. She's wrapped around full circle. Exactly. That's how that works. Yeah.
0: No, being a bus driver <laughs> mangles you physically and mentally into the grave.
1: I can imagine that if you like children, being a bus driver could be cool, depending on the age group. What you're describing doesn't exist. What people who like children. People who like some chil- people like children.
0: <laughs> Even if you like children even if so okay so you're an extrovert let's say who enjoys the company of children the job will still take its toll on you physically
1: yeah probably
0: anyway i'm just jaded yeah i hated being a bus driver and it ruined me so but i i never drove a school bus right so i i imagine that's not quite as physically demanding as being a city bus driver
1: I imagine driving a school bus is a lot like the wheelchair accessible bus I drive at work uh, on occasion.
0: Yeah, it's just a couple hours a day in um, the morning and then in the, in the right, afternoon. But,
1: but that bus is a lot more like driving a U-Haul truck. And I imagine driving a city bus like what you drove is not like driving a U-Haul truck.
0: I mean, actually, no, it kind of is. It's oh. just really long. Okay, man. But the chairs were terrible. Like, yeah, I think u-hauls are more comfortable but so anyway yeah roger gets scary again he wants to know why a physicist is working for a detective agency i say i say oh geez i (laughs) i went went foghorn leghorn on you i'm sorry
1: Yep. well luckily his accent is not that thick
0: at least he knows she's a physicist so there's something that they know about their daughter Fred's gone through some changes. Isn't that how Cordy yeah. says it? Yeah. And uh, he's like, well, whose fault is that? And I'm like, well, I'd like to know what the fuck kind of question
1: that is. Yeah. You haven't seen your daughter for five years. You expect her to have not changed at all? Yeah. Yeah. Even if she hadn't, you know, been abducted to uh, another dimension or anything like that. You change in five years.
0: Yeah. And why Why is your very first question, whose fault is that? Yeah. Is it is it anybody's fault? I don't think that's how that works. That's not how that
1: works. It's time's fault. Like, you're... Time changes you. He's being instigative yeah. there. Um, to be fair, he's very worried about his daughter. I guess fine i'd be pretty angry and from his perspective it probably looks like these people are just giving them the runaround it does kind of look like that yeah and so wes we didn't murder your daughter at all <laughs> right we didn't sell her into She's slavery not chained up in the basement <laughs> funny that you should question that even though i brought it up without provocation we're not feeding on her <laughs>
0: oh, people sh-
1: don't do that <laughs>
0: that's crazy talk <laughs> so <laughs> uh wes and gun come downstairs not having found any sign of fred yeah they confer privately again this is like the third time they've done it and not the last gun still thinks uh taco stand cordy still is suspecting the parents
1: more than ever Wesley wonders where she would go for help and guidance. It suddenly clicks as to where the fuck she would go for help and guidance. And cut to the sewer where Angel, who is not scared at all. And has cell phone service in the sewer,
0: which is fucking impressive. Very impressive. He jumps at his phone ringing and it's Wesley. Yeah. And they both realize simultaneously where Where? she would go for help and guidance. And he's like, and we call ourselves detectives. We can't even track someone down on an unaddressed letter. <laughs> Jesus. I mean, Keanu. So <laughs> as he walks away the other direction again, the mantis demon stands ominously in the middle of the tunnel as Angel turns to leave.
1: A person needs certain designer things.
0: You shouldn't be trying to eat my friend's brains. My friend's brains. You're a vampire.
1: Back to Caritas. Everyone is there. Lorne is very noticeably hostile with Gun. Yeah, and like, is like basically tells him to go wait outside, which you know kind of makes some sense. And after they all barge in on Lorne,
0: nobody even offers him a nice spiked Kool Aid. Yeah, bunch of
1: assholes. Bunch of assholes. Of course, all they'd need to do is give him the Kool-Aid. There's still plenty of booze there.
0: Yeah, seriously. (laughs) And I think he's been, uh, well, he can't get drunk, can he? I don't recall. That's that's the thing, canonically. You're
1: right, it is. He can't get drunk. God, that would be depressing. Very. Like, imagine. Because they're impervious to poison. Right, imagine being in the state that he is and, like, so upset about his club being ruined like this, and he can't even get drunk about it yeah and half of his clientele
0: murdered yeah
1: yeah that would suck but uh how, how do you live without a toxic coping mechanism damn right <laughs> i actually don't have
0: a good answer for that no so Gun shows himself out after lauren gets bitter and snide about the size of the group being too small where's your friend's gun Gun's like, I'll show myself out, yeah. uh, knowing full damn well that he's at least partially responsible for the state of Lawrence bar, or if nothing else, he's associated with the people who did it. Right, and that's enough for Lauren to be upset.
1: Whether whether it's right or not, it's still, hey, dude, your presence is very upsetting given the state of this place. Mm-hmm. And Gun is like, okay, yeah, you're right. I'll step outside, which is pretty cool of him. Yeah. And so the dad
0: questions the legitimacy of a dude in makeup and wearing fake horns. I
1: fucking love how I say, I say, are you an industry contact? I fucking love how Lauren is like, oh, I'm not lying at all. I am not carrying on with your fucking bullshit story. These are real horns. (laughs) This is my real skin, bitch. I have been out of the (laughs) demon closet for years. (laughs) I am not letting you fuck that up. Because like. Cordy and Angel both try to like get him to, you know, play along. Yeah. And Lauren is having fucking none of it.
0: Zero of it. Dad starts to question whether these detectives are just terrible at their jobs, or if they don't actually want them to find Fred.
1: And, you know, that's a valid fucking question.
0: It's starting to be. And Angel takes Lauren aside. Lauren tries to make it all about him at a uh, using a distraction tactic when Angel presses him for helping find Fred. Uh, and Angel calls him out on his bullshit, figuring out quickly that he knows where she is. And he falls back to talking about pimentos and olives. Yeah. How the hell do they get them in there anyway? They have some sort of pimento stuffing machine?
1: And the answer is, yes, in fact, they yes. do.
0: <laughs> that is an excellent question. I'm so glad you asked me that. Uh, Lauren breaks and he admits he knows, but he argues that she doesn't want to see her parents and they should respect that. And Angel argues, well, at least they're there now to protect her. And if they don't do something now, maybe they won't be there
1: to protect her next time. Yeah. And that's a pretty good, solid argument. To me, Here, here's here's the biggest thing for me with this. Given everything that goes on with this crew, they know. A, they either need to figure out if these are actually Fred's parents or not. They need Fred to do that. or B, it is Fred's parents. and they need to they need some level of proof that Fred doesn't want to actually see her parents because all they got is a is a a letter who the fuck knows where that letter came from. Mm-hmm. Angel investigations, they haven't seen the fucking letter. So like, If I were in Angel's position, I would be like, well, if these aren't Fred's parents, we want to know that. If they are Fred's parents, we want to know that. If they are and Fred doesn't want to see them, we want to know that so we can help respect that. Yeah. If it is Fred's parents and she does want to see them and some sort of situation is causing it where they're about to walk away, like, that would be upsetting, too. Like... Everything from Angel's perspective, I think, points to, look, I understand that maybe she doesn't want to see her parents, but we need to, this needs to be sorted. Mm -hmm. Like, you can't just run from this shit. It it won't go away on its own. I say, I say this is a dilly of a pickle and it needs to be (laughs) it.
0: That is my summation of everything Rex just said.
1: Yeah, sounds good. All right. Good summation.
0: Thank you. So Angel's like, tell me where Fred is. I know you're not a slot machine. Because uh, at the beginning of the conversation, Lauren accused him. He's like, hey, I'm not some vir- spiritual vending machine. So he corrects yeah. him. He says, vending machine, you big palooka. And I'm like, what is a palooka?
1: I have no idea. Okay. Did you, did you Google it? I didn't chance? bother to Google it. I have to Google it. Now. All right. That is an actual word that is informal slang that means a stupid, clumsy, or uncouth person. Huh. The example sentence is, these bearded, stumbling palookas in their peasants' britches. Peasants. Yeah. <laughs> That's <laughs> how fucking dated it is. That's special. So,
0: Lauren's like, all right, but play this one delic- delicately, bro, because it's going to get messy. And... Yeah, I'm I'm just thinking this whole time, like, man, how fucking abusive are these parents? Right. These are some scary fucks. Blah. Uh, it's so
1: much worse than that, in a way. It really is. Yeah, we'll get there.
0: <laughs> so we cut to the bus station where Fred nervously babbles herself, <laughs> babbles to herself on a bench next to a homeless person. I love this joke. And when she starts reciting Pi, the homeless person gets up and leaves.
1: I love this joke. She's acting so crazy that she makes the homeless person nervous. Right. It's a very good joke. It's subtle and just super clever. hmm
0: Yeah. Fred's parents, uh, along with Angel, walk up to the counter of the bus station, and Fred sees them and freaks out, starts running away and yelling, you're not real, and then has a big old breakdown as they run to her. But she, uh turns out, just hasn't been able to process her whole experience in the other dimension
1: as real. Yeah, the uh, summation uh, quote, because she says a lot. Yeah. Uh, but the line that she says that really summarizes everything she's saying is, but if you're here and you see me, then it's real and it did happen.
0: Mm hmm. So she's just been caught up in her own denial about the whole situation. It was a defense mechanism that she needed while she was in the other dimension. But now she needs to come back to Earth literally and figuratively. Yeah. Um, And this was the last piece of the puzzle, seeing her parents. And now that her parents are here, she has to accept the reality of the other dimension and that she's not stuck in a fantasy book. Um, which, honestly, it sounds more terrifying to me to live as if you're stuck in a fantasy world. Um,
1: right. Like, well, it, it's, I mean. It's but I guess
0: after using that as a coping mechanism for long enough, you get stuck there.
1: I mean, that—that's the fu- that's the entire question of the Matrix. Right. Like, if you know the world you're in is not real, do you want to stay there? Right. But. If you exit the Matrix, you the world is hell.
0: Luckily for her, it's the other way around this time. Yes. The, uh, the real world is less hell than the alternate dimension. So, yeah, this actually seems like a perfectly healthy, super cathartic breakthrough, if you ask me. Oh,
1: yeah, she unquestionably needed this.
0: And I could not for the life of me figure out... I had no idea what in the hell Lauren was thinking by telling her to run farther from her parents.
1: But yeah, given his history with his family, yeah, but also it seems
0: like he would have a little more insight into the fact that that's not how that works for everybody, right. and that she actually had a good relationship with her parents. So I still don't one hundred percent get where well, he was coming from. One here. of
1: the thing, one of the things that he did say to Angel is, you know, this is going to get ugly. And it's going to get ugly because he knows what she has to face to see her parents. She she has to face the reality of what she went through when she sees her parents. Yeah, and like,
0: Now, if he were an empath demon, that would make more sense because all he would be feeling is her fear of having to right. face that. Um, But
1: he gets actual visions. But he
0: knows the outcome of this, which is arguably far better than had she successfully been able to continue running.
1: Maybe. Maybe he knows that she needs to try and keep running and fail at it rather than turn to face it. Because if she turns to face it, then she can kind of brace for impact, so to speak. And then that would maybe not have as much of an effect on her as having to face this without that bracing. Well, then that means he
0: was putting on a little act when he was pretending not to know where she was with Angel.
1: And I I believe that. Yeah. I think he's totally capable of that.
0: He definitely is. Okay, I I guess I'll leave that there on the table as a headcanon.
1: And I totally believe it because he was specifically not playing into the lie of him being an actor because he knew he didn't fucking need to. Because he knew that her parents would fucking get it.
0: Hmm.
1: Okay. See? See? Sure. It, works. it all works out. It all works out. Yeah. Lauren is awesome. So,
0: what's awesome? <laughs> Lauren. Lo- Lauren, yes. Lauren is awesome. Thank you. Um, <laughs> I knew that. <laughs> anyway, a giant, scary, stupid mantis demon drops down... I guess from the ceiling? I don't know. Yeah. Or he leaps across the room. It looks like he drops down. And the dad's like, well, that thing's from the movies, right? That
1: is, by the way, a badass fucking costume. It's like, pretty this neat. Is a, for a fucking random monster of the week, just... One-off, like it's a badass-looking costume. It's a good costume, but it's not great effects. No, no. Because
0: every time it's on screen, they have to do this weird motion blur thing. Because I don't think the costume, it would have been really cheesy the way the costume
1: moved. Yeah, but it looks great statically. Yeah, statically, it's a fucking amazing-looking costume. Mm -hmm. And uh, Cordy's like, "Shut up and
0: run, stupid." And Angel says he can handle it, so he stays behind as everybody else runs out the door. Uh, they panic that all their weapons are still at the hotel, but maybe they have some in the trunk. And they're like, "It's well, it's okay." Angel said he could handle it. Crash! Hey guys, I brought more Kool Aid.
1: <laughs> Actually, the bug gave him the Kool Aid. <laughs> yeah. Here, you'll need this. Woof! Crash! <laughs>
0: Thank you. You were right. <laughs> so they finally drop the act and west tells the uh, roger the truth about angel he's a vampire he's He's a vampire he's a vampire but he's got a soul Uh, i'll tell you the whole thing if we if we live through this and they find some golf clubs and gun finds a bow and arrow and they all start taking shots at the demon fred picks up a golf club that gets knocked out of someone's hands i'm not sure was it cordy Somebody gets knocked over. Angel gets knocked over like three times. Oh,
1: God, can't yeah. Angel's just beating the hell. He gets out of, the shit kicked yeah. out
0: of him, but he's good for it. He's a trooper. He's a no, champ. Um,
1: Fred actually goes to help. Yeah. Fred. Fred attacks the bug with a fucking nine iron. Five iron. Oh, sorry. Five is, iron is
0: what Gunn says later. Ah,
1: five iron. Um, her dad even pitches in to help. Mm-hmm. Which, holy shit. He's a normie. Comes at it with a garbage right. can. Go him. I mean, he's just protecting his daughter. But still. Yeah. Think like I'd imagine that a normal person usually would just go fucking catatonic during this sort of thing. So go him.
0: Yeah, that's that's a very uh likely scenario to freeze in your in yeah. your place and something that fucked up happening.
1: Oh yeah. Fred does get a wound and then Somehow the thing gets knocked back and then hit by a bus. I well, the so the mantis
0: uh sends Angel flying one more time and then uh uh it had Angel pinned to another bus, right? And I think okay. that's just where it was, they were out in a lane and then it unexpectedly gets smashed by a passing bus, throwing bug guts all over everyone, especially Fred, but especially the windshield.
1: Yeah, ew. <laughs> And then it's revealed that the bus was being driven by Fred's mom. And she hit it on purpose. Yeah. Uh,
0: and she gets out and she is absolutely ecstatic that her bus driving skills earned her a demon kill.
1: <laughs> I can relate. It's like that moment when after you've like learned a thing years ago and then something comes up where you get to... You get to express this knowledge that you had that you haven't touched in years,
0: yeah. And you're like, "Oh my god, I get to talk about this!" Like you talking about comic books, yeah. Last exactly. episode, <laughs> um, but <laughs> she's ridiculous, and you very much see Fred in her in this moment. Yes,
1: she's like, "Did I get it?" I, I have to say, the casting of Fred's mom, fucking perfect, spot on. Like it both is of them, Roger so too so believable that these are her parents very
0: much so and everybody just kind of stands there silently (laughs) in awe of the situation yeah (laughs) and we cut back to the hyperion
1: i was hoping for some demon fighting tonight but i wound up with a delivery job instead if i come back here on the end of a spatula i'm expecting some serious workman's comp i'm just messing with y'all Corey is given some first aid, and she's kind of laying things out to Fred's parents.
0: Yeah, they all chat nicely uh, now that they've all bonded over murdering a poor, innocent giant mantis demon.
1: Yeah, poor, innocent.
0: That's correct. It was just trying to save its own babies, but we haven't gotten there. Right. So, uh, you know, just like Fred's parents were doing. There's a
1: theme. Shit, that didn't even click till you just said that. Yeah, ditto. I just (laughs) thought of that.
0: Just thought Damn! of. Damn! <laughs> Look at that. Oh, jeez! It's like there's layers to this onion. Fred's mom gets a little nauseous over the Dursler demon head just laying around, as Fred notices some crystals on the side of it. Gunn, not knowing that it's actually paper mache, walks away with it, going, Oh, women! You know, she makes bug soup out of a out of a giant mantis demon, but she can't handle a little paper mache head." And he sets it on the counter next to Angel. And He's like, Angel and... and arranging yeah, its
1: hair. Right. Angel, Angel and Wesley are like, you know that's real. You know that's
0: not paper mache <laughs> He's like, do we still have that bleach in the bathroom?
1: <laughs> and heads
0: straight to the bathroom. But And I hope he uh, cleans off the doorknob. Yeah. Granted, they're just letting the head lay around right. the fucking hotel. Like, get rid of that thing. <laughs> are you going to have it mounted or not, Angel? Are Shouldn't you going you have,
1: to like done something to help preserve it by now? Are you
0: going to mount it or not? Are you masturbating with this head or are you getting rid of it, Angel? <laughs> what is going on? What is going on? The bugs fucked the Dursler demon's head. Why can't Angel? <sighs> we all need to put our eggs and seed into this Dursler demon's head. <laughs> oh it's God. just that time of day. Everyone
1: put your eggs in one basket. <laughs> <laughs> Ew. <laughs>
0: Oh my God! We're never gonna get any other interviews. We're <laughs> gonna listen to this episode, this timestamp, and go. These people are fucking freaks.
1: Maybe, maybe, maybe Harry Groner was like did the interview with us, and then afterwards he's like, "I should watch, listen to some of this guys' episodes and listen to him." He's like, "Oh, I gotta tell everyone to
0: run." I imagine he walked away from that and said, "That's not what I signed on for at all." <laughs> <laughs> the look on his face a couple of times I was like oh that poor bastard
1: yeah he, he was kind of... he...
0: <laughs> we were too weird for him like, really you were in professional film
1: in the 90s you're, bro like, you're an actor and for fuck's sake
0: oh well what are you gonna do
1: you're a theater kid
0: yeah presumably yeah oh well so where were we
1: uh it's not
0: not paper mache gun runs to the bleach uh angel and wesley watch with satisfaction as fred
1: and her parents all seem so happy to be reunited and Uh, cordy announces that it's now angel's turn and he giddily goes oh yay my turn and runs over and uh, he's a dork i love it when he's a dork
0: he is a huge dork and cordy specifically calls him a dork and uh, I couldn't agree more. But also, they themselves are an adorably little happy family. Yeah. And uh, that's another theme. It's like yeah. they, they don't even understand that they have what they have. And so Fred is talking to Wesley, uh, remarks how she's okay now because Angel saved her. And gushes as, she tell- as she's telling her mother everyone's roles on the team, yep. which makes her realize suddenly that as she gets to herself she doesn't really know what her role is on this team right and nobody else butts in to be like oh you're the you're the physicist every detective agency needs a
1: physicist yeah yeah no,
0: but nobody does that um so
1: this well, is to where be fair. We... they didn't hear her say this hmm? none of none of the actual team here heard her say this to her parents i don't know what you mean 'Cause she's telling her parents that oh, you know, Angel's the champion, Wesley's the brains, and all this, and none of the other team No
0: Wesley was, oh, was right he? there for that. Oh then I don't I don't know if I'm anybody wrong. else I don't know if anybody else was, but Wesley well, definitely God was Well then goddamn it Wesley. <laughs> uh yeah, he just kinda had a crestfallen look on his face as she he,
1: he's just glow he's just glowing from the compliment to himself. Right. She thinks I'm smart. Aw.
0: So <laughs> Yeah, this is where we learn what the parents were talking about earlier when they asked, yeah. is it time yet? And they meant calling the police.
1: Which, in hindsight, yeah, they probably should have way sooner than they they were talking about it.
0: Yeah, that's, that's legit at this point. Because Roger's like, to think I was going to call the police on a bunch of superheroes. I say, I say... Angel and Dad bond over uh, Angel and Roger bond over A reference to the 1963 Bob Hope Desert Classic Um, It's a really very nerdy moment But also
1: like Oh right
0: Angel's old Angel's old (laughs) I mean Maybe I just thought it was dumb Because I have no idea What the Bob Hope Desert Classic is Uh, Was it a golf game? I think so Okay Well that's fun So Fred says fuck it I'm going to go home where it's safe. And uh, her parents are super supportive and happy about her decision to come home. Gunn and Wesley agree. Wes uh, is looking a bit sad about it, but he agrees she'll probably be happier there.
1: Uh, Yes, the uh, Bob Hope Desert Classic is a golf tournament. Okay. Specifically in Southern California.
0: Interesting. Okay. Has Angel been around California specifically that long? Yeah. Yeah. Seems likely, yeah. The sixties,
1: yeah. He was because he was in this hotel in like that's right, in the, like fifties or some shit.
0: Yeah, yeah. So he's
1: been in. He's been around,
0: huh? Isn't it handy we were there to get all that information during that episode? Yeah, huh. <laughs> so, <laughs> <laughs> so now we cut to Fred's room, and Angel stops in to check on Fred. She invites him in as kind of a bittersweet nostalgia because she won't be seeing him back home. Even though she knows that she doesn't need to, right? And uh, he asks how he asks how she is, and she lists off like fifteen different emotions, very thorough of her.
1: Yeah, she's very thorough.
0: He asks if she's going to remember all the writing on the walls. She claims it'll be easy because it tells a story of a handsome man who saves a girl from a horrible cave and takes her back to his castle, but then he leaves. So she accidentally creates a new cave, hoping that he'd save her again. And then she kind of comes back to reality for a moment. She's like, but you can't do that again, can you? Nope. Yeah. And Angel doesn't really say anything, but the writing's on the walls. "Hell." That's pretty good. Um, yeah, I'm happy about that. Yeah. So- <laughs> back to the lobby. <laughs> Cordy and Trish are chatting about uh, monster movies and how Roger loves them, and Trish can't believe it's all real. Cordy assures her that the demons and the other dimensions definitely are real.
1: Aliens, maybe.
0: Yeah, well, you know, talk to the guy with the weird fro in ten or twenty years, and he'll uh, he'll tell you otherwise. Uh, Gun and Roger admire Fred's contraption. Wesley is a huge nerd. As uh, he butts in, he says, Yes, we think it's some sort of mechanized weapon, possibly influenced by the medieval catapult designed for serious or fatal wounding, if not complete decapitation. Or it's a toaster.
1: And then,
0: this is my quote of the day, as Wesley looks very defeated as he says, Or it makes toast. <laughs> <laughs> and Fred comes down the stairs, foreshadowing everyone. Trish is very specifically asking if Fred threw away the shirt with all the bug guts on it.
1: And she's like, "No, I'm keeping it as a souvenir." Which I thought I, she was joking. I thought
0: she was being completely sarcastic here. She's not, which is ex- completely explains the weird delivery of that line. Right. And I'm like, "Wow, somebody really just let her go with that." And they're like, "Hmm, she took it seriously." I like that angle. No, it's because it's an actual plot yes. point <laughs> that she and that's why they established that Roger likes gross horror movies and when she says i'm keeping it as a souvenir he says that's my girl right so it the writers did their jobs here no it's it's very clever yeah um when you're looking back at it but in the moment it feels like she's just being sarcastic
1: but also it feels right even in the moment where you're like oh man she just She is an awkward person. She's very bad at being
0: sarcastic was all I figured. Yeah. And so she hugs everyone. Goodbye, except for Angel, who just hands her a bag and says, bye, Fred. But because that's still the closest he can get to being emotional, I guess. It was very subtle, but it, it worked.
1: No, they they totally made out before they came downstairs, I'm sure. I believe it.
0: That's my headcanon. I was shipping these two. I'm like,
1: damn it! Right? She wants you so bad, Angel. And for fuck's sake, he needs to be interested in someone who's not a fucking blonde. Right? Give the girl what she wants. A hard, hot dickin'. (laughs) Just don't fall in love Just, with her. Yeah. You know, platonic fucking no worries. It's not a problem.
0: <laughs> this, does, this doesn't have to be perfect happiness, bro. It's very rare. <laughs> anyway. <laughs> oh, geez.
1: Sex is funny and fun to talk about. We're, we're better behaved in real life. Mostly. Yeah, we're putting on a show. That's right.
0: (laughs) Good cover-up, Rex. Well done. I can hold a note for a long time. Actually, I can hold a note forever. But eventually, that's just noise. It's the change we're listening for. The note coming after and the one after that. That's what makes it music.
1: Uh, From here, we cut to the taxi of them driving to the airport uh, where it is talked about how their parents or how her parents rented out her room. And, you know, the guy's lease is up in a month. But, hey, we'll work it out.
0: Yeah, won't be a problem at all. She's like, well, you rented out my room. They're like, well, you were gone for four years. How were we supposed to know? She's like. Well, I was kidnapped into an alternate dimension, which they squeeze a very tiny joke out of with the fucking right. taxi driver. And the mom's like, Well, she was. <laughs> <laughs>
1: See, they don't mind telling all the normies about right. weirdo ness. And then this is this is the moment when Fred looks into her bag, sees the crystals on the shirt, and from that one clue puts everything to fucking gather. Because she's a genius. Jeez. She's a weird genius. And then she quickly tells the cabbie to turn the car around. Do it now. Do it now.
0: And we cut back, back to the hotel. Back. <laughs> so we cut <laughs> back to the office of the hotel. Everyone sits around and enjoying a communally uh, missing Fred session. Uh, everybody's all sad. And Cordy, however, weirdly <laughs> misses Fred's parents.
1: No, no, this right here is so true to life because I've had this moment with friends where I meet one of my friend's parents and they're like super normal and nice people. Mm-hmm. And then all of us weirdos are like, man, it would have been so nice to have nice, good, normal
0: parents, good parents <laughs> who care and are supportive <laughs> and show affection. Yeah. Shit. wouldn't it be nice to be well adjusted Rex? I can't even imagine. We'll never know. (laughs) We'll never know. We'll never know. So, yeah. Cordy weirdly misses Fred's parents. They all agree that Fred's parents weren't just nice. They were loving and supportive, which I don't think any of this group really knows what it's like to experience. I can relate, as we just did. Also, Ken Rex did. Yeah. Yeah. Also, Previously. Uh, (laughs) Yeah. Cordelia is happy that uh, Fred has a shot at a normal life and bemoans that nothing's ever normal around here. Cut to the severed head as it starts to pulsate and shit starts to poke through it.
1: Yeah. And back to the group. They're talking about how they'll all miss Fred. Angel thinks Fred was soothing. Quote of the day here. He says, she was just this nice, quiet, kind of crazy. I found that soothing. Mm-hmm. And Cordy gets uppity about it, and she's
0: like, hey, I'm not soothing. <laughs> I could soothe your ass off, pal. <laughs> and personally, I'm like, all right, get to soothing. Oh, that's right. You'd rather <laughs> sit around being snarky and judgy all the time. Okay. Cordelia has her tender moments. She but, does. But a generally soothing presence doesn't no. hold a candle to Fred. No. And all Gunn can say about Fred is, Oh boy, she sure was handy with a five iron. Wow!
1: I so at first I was like, "God damn gun! What the fuck?" Because this whole episode, he's like barely plugged in. Yeah, I slightly think that he's trying to not have feelings for Fred. I think he's like trying to back off and trying to not pay attention and like uh, put that out—that's possible—out like of his mind. That's good to head cannon. Yeah. Um, because he does like, he's had a few moments here and there where he like looks at her and is like, Hey, I'm interested in that. But just with this episode, it's like, get with it, man. Well, and you can with it,
0: you can tell from this episode that Wesley's the one who's very interested in Fred. Yeah. Um, which we haven't quite gotten to the, the real click moment for that. Right. But we'll, we'll get there. So, cordelia pretends to be happy that fred's gone but no one buys it no Um, and then she's like all right well i'm gonna go home eat some comfort food cry a bit and curl up under a big fluffy mantis
1: demon (laughs) and they're
0: surrounded by mantis demons uh as they all rush the
1: effect of all of them outside the window was so awful it
0: was pretty terrible (laughs) and i really wonder like did did they make that many Mantis Demon costumes? No.
1: Oh God, no. That that was very much because they were all roughly the same angle as well. Uh huh. And so I think honestly it was just okay. Let's edit in all these fucking. They mant- took
0: a bunch of shots of him standing in a different place. Yeah, exactly. And then oh, I don't even think it, I don't even it.
1: think it was that far. I think they just took like basically cut and pasted multiple copies of the same image onto the film kind of thing. Like, I don't even think they like did multiple recordings and then layered them. No, I don't think they went that far. Hmm. I think they took one static view and then just edited in all of these separate different mantises because they all look way too alike.
0: Well, who knows? But yeah, we can, we can all agree that the, uh, the motion effects for this mantis demon were awful. Yeah. Even though the the makeup for this demon was excellent, so anyway, they're surrounded by mantis demons, and as they as everybody rushes for weapons, Angel is quickly pinned to the floor. Fred rushes in, and uh, she throws down her axe mechanism and triggers it, and we finally get to see it in action.
1: She steps on the spatula, and out pops toasts. <laughs> <laughs> Wesley. Has a tub of butter waiting,
0: <laughs> and they feed all the mantis demons some toast. Yeah, and everybody goes home. Everyone's happy, and then the mantis demons murder everyone. But no,
1: actually, it does launch an axe. It, and-
0: it launches an axe and uh, it chops the Dursler demon's head in half, releasing a bunch of cockroaches.
1: Yeah, they're definitely cockroaches. Yeah, just they're they're actual- supposed to be like baby mantis things actual but, but.
0: cockroaches you know i can't really get too mad about animal rights in this one no
1: no it's probably much easier to get a bunch of cockroaches than like say a bunch of mantises or mantis demons
0: baby mantis demons i wanted to see real mantis baby demons damn it
1: okay <laughs>
0: <laughs> i have standards so. but
1: yeah fred save the fucking day uh once once the the bugs are out of the head that's an interesting sentence <laughs> uh, once the bugs are out of the head the the mantis the mantis demons all fuck off because they just were there they were there for their young, and that's it
0: yep, and gun brilliantly discerns that it was not a toaster, nope. Fred explains her thought process. Basically, when she noticed the crystals on her clothes, she realized that the crystals on the Dursler demon's head didn't come from the Dursler. Therefore, it must have come into contact with the mantis demon, and having eggs in its head would explain why it was acting out of character in the ice cream shop for a Dursler demon. So it was still kind of a leap, in my opinion, to thinking that there were eggs in the Dursler demon's head, but not so much of a leap. That I can't just let right. go.
1: Like it it feels right enough that somebody who is that intelligent could fucking deduce something like that. Sure.
0: So with the uh, making the assumption that it's got eggs on its head, uh, she knew that more of the mantis demons would be coming for the eggs since she hypothesizes that they are a hive species. And that must have been why the first one was there in the first place. Yep. And so Angel and uh, Wesley are all, uh, they're all proud of her and shit. Wait, I'm going to back up, though. Why did it come to the bus station? The head was at the hotel.
1: I suspect it came to the bus station because it was following Angel. Because he killed the Dursler, demon. Yep. Okay.
0: All right, I'll buy that. So Angel and Wesley are all proud of Fred and shit, and Fred lets loose that she thinks that this is her true path in life. And she has to break it to her parents that she's staying instead of going home. Uh, Wesley puts it to a very one-sided vote whether or not she can stay. Everyone who's all for Fred staying say aye, aye. Oh, it, great, you're staying. It's decided. And Roger and Trish are staying an extra couple of days to make yeah. sure that she's sure about her decision because uh, I say I say we miss you and shit. Yeah. He says a couple of weeks at first, and she's like, mm, I may miss you, but you're still
1: my parents. Yeah. Um <laughs> And hey, they could it works out. They have a whole fucking hotel. Hotel. <laughs> like, you
0: know what? They could actually stay a couple of weeks, and it probably yeah, wouldn't be that bad. Exactly. They have a hotel. So Fred is like, oh, I think I'll I know where I'll end up. I'm like, that's right.
1: Underneath Wesley. <laughs> Giggity.
0: So, cut to Fred's room.
1: Yep, where they're painting the walls, mm-hmm. erasing all the, the mad scribbles.
0: Angel and Roger are talking about conspiracy theories, specifically Spiro Agnew being a Gath, uh, Grathnar demon. You know who that was? No, I don't. Nixon's vice president. Oh! So, that tracks. Yeah. I recognized the name because I was like, wait, that's what Nixon's head on Futurama is always... Um, he's talking to the the headless robot that's carrying him around. He's like, Agnew. Oh. So I never knew that that was his vice president, but it oh. makes sense now. So uh, Wesley and Gunn bicker over the direction of painting with the roller. Oh, you're going to get those dribbles if you go side to side. Whatever. Who cares? So Trish puts them in their place. She's like, no fighting, boys. Cordy comes in with a pizza, offering some to Fred. Fred's, Fred's like, maybe in a minute. And she just needs to have herself a spiritual cleansing moment of painting over her drawing of her and Angel on a horse together. Yeah. It's sad, but cathartic. Mm-hmm. Moving on. Gerarg. Gerarg.
1: Is this for me? I must be ready. I need my strength. strength. Give, 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 give me more. Nights, I shall give walk the earth. Hold on. You've got something in your eye. How'd you feel about this episode, Josh?
0: Um, This episode was fantastic character growth for Fred. Yes. And that's all it needed to be. And I appreciate it for that.
1: Yeah. Yeah. I. So the number one thing I want to say about Amy Acker... I can't imagine the level of fucking talent it has to take to be able to babble like that. <laughs> to just go on and on. Like that so- that seems so fucking difficult to me. And like there's a lot of times in other shows where you have car- to th-
0: at the very least to make it seem natural.
1: Right. And she does. If, if
0: that is the if she's not ad libbing that at all, if that's how they wrote those lines,
1: yeah. verbatim. Yeah.
0: Then to make that seem natural, that is a task.
1: So the 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 thing that always comes to mind with this sort of thing in the first episode of Firefly, when River, who again is another character who tends to babble and say crazy shit, when she's first introduced, her quote crazy babble is it feels awkward. Mm. And the delivery and everything, it just doesn't feel very natural and genuine. Mm -hmm. But Amy Acker fucking nails it. There isn't a moment where she's just kind of babbling to herself that doesn't feel exactly like that. Yeah. It's fucking impressive. It is. It
0: is. Yeah, I love that we're finally done with this whole beginning of the season shit where every episode there's just this shtick of, come on out, it's okay, oh, it's not okay. Right. They overplayed that joke one yes. one too many times, and I'm yes. glad we're pretty much done with that. As as far as Cordelia and Gunn, I feel like they, Gunn especially got the short stick on this episode. Um, oh, yeah. And he's been getting the short stick on a lot of episodes, and I'm kind of tired of that. This... Like, they've done gun development episodes, and I still feel like he's getting the short end of the stick. He's still not nearly as fleshed out as they've already made Fred.
1: One of the problems that this season has had thus far is this is episode five. We are still dealing with the shit that happened at the end of last season. Yeah. Like, for fuck's sake, we're in a new season. Let's move on to new shit. Right? I really want this to be the last fucking one. Mm-hmm. And let's move on to new shit with the new Big Bad and everything. Just let's stop dwelling on what happened the last fucking season.
0: Yeah. Angel doesn't really stick to the Big Bad formula per se. Well,
1: no, not. It doesn't. And they're
0: still going to bring back Darla one more time.
1: Yeah. <laughs> I'm, I'm just tired of Darla.
0: Yeah. Just. Get her back. Let's get it over with already. Hey, at
1: least this fucking episode they didn't have uh oh, look what's happening with Darla moment in the fucking show.
0: Yeah, not this episode. They've been doing that like every other. Yeah. I think. And I'm still not sure which one she actually comes back in.
1: But no, I think overall the execution of the episode was great. The character development for Fred was fantastic and so fucking needed. The monster of the week fit <clears throat> the theme. Exactly. Looking for your children. And it wasn't something that felt painfully shoehorned in. Yeah. Like, it actually, like, worked. Mm-hmm. A solid fucking episode. Not the best episode ever, but it was for a Monster of the Week sort of episode. It was exactly what we could fucking hope for.
0: Yep. yeah, Yeah. They, really, the only thing that felt like a leap in this episode, to me, which is still barely a leap, is... Okay, two things. There was... Lorne telling her to run farther. Right. Which, okay, given his past, I can kind of understand that. And we laid out some headcanon about maybe he did this on purpose because he knew that it was the best way to make things play out the way they did. Right. Which is why... Possible. Which is why the idea of being able to tell the future is so problematic in writing. Yeah. Oh, God, yeah. <laughs> um. So, all right, sure, whatever. Um. But also, Fred deducing that there must be eggs in that demon's right. head was a bit like, of a leap, but not so big of a leap that it bothers me that much.
1: Yeah. like a pretty there, sealed up if episode. There were, if there were maybe like one or two lines of dialogue added that kind of connect an extra dot there, it would have felt a lot better. Yeah. But outside of that, it headcanon-wise, you can kind of chalk it up to, oh, right, Fred's just a fucking genius. Yeah, like
0: one line... <clears throat> about you know wesley finds the demon in a book and says something in a blurb about how it lays its eggs in the heads of other exactly. demons exactly something like that would have made it so much easier to swallow giggity also you
1: <laughs> or hell ev- even better and it would have fucking worked without having to add too much into the fucking episode um In the beginning scene when the crew is all fucking inventorying weapons, if they just put Fred sitting at the counter with fucking stacks of demon books just randomly reading through demon books, that would have been perfect. I think that would have worked great. Well, even if they had just wasted a
0: little less time on bantering about these stupid fucking weapon weapon sortings, Eh, inventory bullshit, and shifted it over so that somebody could have read from a book about it later because you know the episode was still 42 minutes long right so they would have had to cut something but there was plenty to cut at the beginning of the episode but anyway yeah overall i liked it i agree not a bad episode i agree cool well uh you got a quote of the day i was just gonna ask you the same question uh yes i do have a quote of the day i'm giving it to wesley (laughs) downtrodden or it makes toast.
1: <laughs> I I want to say, if I could say, oh, the best, the moment of the day was unquestionably the dramatic reading. Because that, oh, sure. that moment was like, hands down, one of the funniest fucking scenes that I've, we've had an angel yet. Yeah. Like it, but... You know, it's like, it, hey, they're stealing my stick. right? And you it, can't it, do like, that. It's a totally meta thing. It probably wouldn't have hit me so fucking hard if it wasn't for the fact that that's something we've been doing, yeah, for years. Mm-hmm. So, but outside of that, I have to give also to Wesley my quote of the day. Well, Fred, that's a difficult question. <laughs> I think the I think it's fair to say, no, not a chance, never, no way, not in a million years, and also, nah. Yeah, I feel a little bad
0: that we're giving both of our quotes of the day to Wesley in this episode that is very much about Fred. Um Fred doesn't really speak in quotables.
1: She speaks Partly in, because she speaks in paragraphs. She speaks yeah, exactly. <laughs> she speaks
0: in long <clears throat> paragraphs that it takes up that have loosely threaded together thoughts.
1: Yeah. Like, I mean the whole fucking lines that she says when Angel asks how she is. It's like this is a fucking paragraph. I can't write all of this down. <laughs> right? Who gives 15 emotions as an
0: answer when somebody says how are you?
1: To be fair, it's probably accurate. It's an accurate answer, but and damn. that's that's fine, but damn, exactly. <clears throat>
0: all right. Well, uh I guess that about sums it up. Yes, yeah. this, this has been another episode of Ale with Angel. Don't forget to like us on Facebook. Um, follow us on Twitter or X if you want to. Don't expect much from it, though, no. um, in general, let alone our account. If you'd like to shop for some of our merchandise, head on over to beerwithbuffy.com slash shop. You can also listen to all of our episodes from there straight from the source. Uh, if you want to support us financially, you can go to patreon.com slash we have a, a variety of perks, or I mean one perk where we will name a cat for you on the episode. If you review us on iTunes, I promise you that is one of the cheapest ways for you and the best ways for us for you to help us because it really boosts our algorithm and gets our, our name and our episodes out there to more and more listeners. Yes. If you have any questions, comments, or concerns, you can email us at beerwithbuffy at com. If you'd like to text us or leave us a voicemail, you can do so at 269-743-0783, country code 1, if you're calling from outside the United States. Yes. Don't forget, we are going on a short sabbatical. We're coming back sometime in January. We will be suspending Patreon payments until we are back that is correct and don't forget to come listen to wobble up a pod pod instead during the break we are releasing bi-weekly on opposite mondays um you can find us on all your favorite podcast platforms it's me and alex from the heart rex might show up there someday but someday hasn't happened yet god i don't have time <laughs> uh all that being said Last but not least, big shout out to JJ Treadway for all of our opening, closing, and transitional music. This has been Ale with Angel. I'm
1: Josh. I'm Rex. Have a good night.
0: Counter speed, Rex.
1: just be with you. Whoa, whoa. You are the Slayer. Lives depend upon you. I make allowances for your years, but I expect a certain amount of responsibility. And instead of which, you enslave yourself to this this cult. You don't like the color? You have a sacred birthright. You were chosen to destroy vampires, not to wave pom poms at people. Why can't you people just leave me alone? What have we done? Why are we watching this? (laughs)